Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Effective Altruism Forum Weekly. My name is Quinn Snell. This episode will be covering the top posts from the 27th of March to the 16th of April uh, because of a vacation. So we have quite a bit of articles to get into. But just before that, I want to say that we just passed the half year mark in the podcast. And we're also keen to understand the impact that it's having and that it's had, as well as any suggestions from our listeners for making the show better. We've created a survey which should take less than 10 minutes to complete, and it's really important for us to get a good cross-section of our audience. So whether you're a casual listener or you're here every week with us, have no suggestions or have many, many suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. This will be key data and input into whether and how we continue this project next year. And we really appreciate anyone who takes the time to fill it out. So thank you very, very much. Speaking of thanks, big thank you as always to Zoe Williams for writing these amazing summaries. Thank you to Type 3 Audio for getting these up on the RSS feed. And of course, thank you to Rethink Priorities for the general support. And thank you to the listeners. That's you for all the wonderful support. It's really meant the world to us. Uh, So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Jumping off with the object level interventions and review section, we have a few different AI-related posts for the week. And the first one is called FLI Open Letter, Pause Giant AI Experiments by Zach Stein Perlman. This is a link post to an open letter by the Future of Life Institute, which calls for all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months of the training process of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. It has over 2,000 signatures, including Yushayo Bengio, Stuart Russell, Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, and other well-known academics, entrepreneurs, and public figures. It's been covered by the New York Times, by the BBC, and many other media outlets that have a lot of attention garnered to it. Time Ideas also published an article by Eliza Yukowski, which argues that the letters asks don't go far enough. And six months isn't enough time to solve for safety. Next, we have a new survey. 46% of Americans are concerned about extinction from AI. 69% support a six-month pause in AI development by Akash. YouGov America, a reputable pollster, released a survey of 20,810 American adults, which found 46% reported they are, quote, very concerned or somewhat concerned about the possibility of AI causing the end of the human race on Earth. When prompted with the information that around over a thousand leading tech leaders signed a letter calling for a pause to certain large-scale AI systems for about six months worldwide, 69% of the overall 20,000, almost 21,000 American adults supported that. There were no meaningful differences by region or gender or political affiliation. Next, we have Jamie Sevilla announcing Epoch's dashboard of key trends and figures in machine learning. Epoch has launched a brand new dashboard covering key numbers from their research to help understand the present and future of machine learning. These are things like training compute requirements, model size, availability, and use of training data, hardware efficiency, algorithmic improvements, and investment in training runs over time. After this, we have a post from Ajaya and Kelsey Piper called Planned Obsolescence. The two have launched a new blog on AI futurism and alignment. It's aiming to clearly communicate thoughts on the biggest challenges in technical work and policy to make AI go well, and is targeted at a broader audience than EA or AI safety communities alone. 
The next article we have is by Himesh Doodles, and it's called AISafety.World is a map of the AIS ecosystem. AISafety.World is a reasonably comprehensive map of organizations, people, and resources in the AI safety space, including research organizations, blogs, forums, podcasts, YouTube channels, training programs, career support, as well as funders to help map out the overall ecosystem and make it a little bit clearer in terms of what different people in the community are doing. After this, we have a post by Omega. It's called Critiques of Prominent AI Safety Labs, Redwood Research. This is the first in a series of critiques of major AI safety organizations that have received over $10 million per year in funding. Redwood Research launched in 2021 and is focused on AI technical safety. They have strong connections and reputation within EA and have received over $21 million in funding, primarily from open philanthropy. So far, they list six research projects on their website, have run programs, MLab and Remix for junior technical AI safety researchers, and run the long-termist office constellation. They employed around six to 15 full-time employees and researchers at any given time over the past two years. Omega offers a few different observations and suggestions, starting off with first. Redwood Labs has a willingness to pivot research focus if something isn't impactful, and that's great but it's also led to disruption as well as multiple staff being let go. Next, we have a lack of dissemination of research, particularly outside of EA, can be very limiting and as well as create feedback loops. It also stifles, the author notes, ability of others to build on their work and access to talent and impact pathways outside of effective altruism. Third, the author points out that Redwood Labs, of the work that is public, is very useful, but the author argues underwhelmingly for the money and time invested. Four, burnout, turnover, diversity, inclusivity, and work culture need more focus at Redwood as important areas to improve. Discussions with current and former staff suggest significant issues in this area. And fifth, there are some conflicts of interest and relationships between Redwood leadership and board and the open philanthropy leadership and grant makers. The next post we have is by Leopold, and it's called Nobody's on the Ball on AGI Alignment. The author argues we're not on track to solve alignment of superhuman AGI systems, but we could be, with a large-scale effort similar to the first moon landing. Few people are working on AI alignment. This is around 300 technical alignment researchers versus 100,000 machine learning capabilities researchers. Of those 300 technical alignment researchers, many aren't tackling the core difficulties. Reinforcement learning from human feedback relies on human supervision, which isn't reliable when models become superhuman. Mechanistic interpretability is producing interesting findings, but is like, quote, trying to engineer nuclear reactor security by doing fundamental physics research two hours before starting the reactor, end quote. There isn't a lot else happening in technical AI safety outside of abstract or theoretical work like decision theory and mathematical proofs. However, Alignment is increasingly becoming a real science, where experimentation is possible, meaning it's possible to make substantial progress with enough money and attention. Moving on to other existential risks, and specifically bio and nuclear, this week the first article is by Juan Cambreo, and it's called US is launching a $5 billion follow-up to Operation Warp Speed. It's a link post to an article discussing that the $5 billion left over from COVID funds unspent COVID funds, that is, uh, is being thrown into a project that's a follow-up to warp speed called Project Next Gen that has three specific goals, 
uh, of which the most relevant for future pandemic preparedness is a pan-coronavirus vaccine. Next article is, once again, a link post uh, to an article describing a polio lab leak in the Netherlands caught by wastewater sampling. That was linked by Kulin on the EA forum, and the article is called Polio Lab Leak Caught with Wastewater Sampling. Absolutely, absolutely mind-boggling. Moving on to global health and development, we have from GiveWell, how much funding does GiveWell expect to raise through 2025? Medians and 90% confidence intervals for expected funds raised in 2023 all the way to 2025 are thusly. 2023, they're expecting around $581 million. 2024, $523 million. 2025, $578 million. These are relatively constant due to the decrease in expected funding from GiveWell's biggest funder, Open Philanthropy, offset by an expected increase from other donors as well. OpenPhil donated around $350 million in 2022 and tentatively plans to give $250 million in 2023, with possible further decreases. This substantially increases uncertainty in the total funding level for GiveWell. Their strategy will continue to focus on finding outstanding giving opportunities, but they may smooth spending year to year to maintain a stable 10x cash cost effectiveness bar, and plan to increase fundraising efforts as well, with a goal of $500 million in funds raised from non-OP donors by 2025. The next article we have is called Introducing the Maternal Health Initiative by Ben Williamson and Sarah H. The Maternal Health Initiative was launched in 2002 via the charity entrepreneurship incubation program. It's conducting an initial pilot in Ghana through local partnered organizations, where it trains health providers to provide family planning, counseling during the postpartum period, with the first training sessions taking place in the next month after the pregnancy. Their initial estimate is that this could avert a disability-adjusted life year per $166 spent. Though more will be known after the pilot is ran and after analysis is conducted. Long term, the plan is to demonstrate uh, efficacy and then shift from direct delivery into supporting the Ghana Health Service to make this a standard long-term practice. You can learn more about it on their website or sign up to the mailing list. The next post we have is on lead exposure. It's called Lead Exposure, a Shallow Cause Exploration by Joel McGuire, Samuel Dupret, Michael Plant, and Ryan Dwyer. This is a two-week investigation in the impact of lead exposure that we covered in our last episode. I highly recommend checking it out. Moving on to the animal welfare section of the week, we have announcing a new animal advocacy podcast, How I Learned to Love Shrimp by James Osden and Amy Odin. The creators of the podcast wrote the following. How I Learned to Love Shrimp is a podcast about promising ways to help animals and build the animal advocacy movement. We showcase interesting and exciting ideas within animal advocacy, and we'll release bi-weekly, hour-long interviews with people who are working on these projects, end quote. Next, we have Healthier Hens, Year 1.5, Update and Scale-Down Assessment, by Lucas J. Ten and Isaac Esparza. The authors note that Healthier Hens has needed to scale down due to a lack of sufficient funding to accomplish their main primary goal of piloting dietary interventions effectively for hen welfare. They also note that they will continue doing mini projects and refining their plan for a feed pilot on the ground until the next organizational assessment at the end of this upcoming summer. Moving on to the miscellaneous section for the week, we have planned updates to U.S. regulatory analysis methods are likely relevant to effective altruists by MHR. 
the U.S. Office of Management and Budget, or OMD, excuse me, OMB, has proposed an update to Circular A4, which provides guidance to federal agencies regarding methods of regulatory analysis. Relevant updates include, first, allowing for consideration of impacts on future generations when analyzing the benefits of policies that reduce the chance of catastrophic risks. Secondly, the Office of Management's budget's refinements have allowed, in certain contexts, consideration of impacts to non-U.S. citizens residing abroad. This might come up in places where it would support a cooperative international approach or leading other countries to do the same when it comes to risk management. Third, reducing the default social discount rate over the next 30 years from 3% to 1.7%. And fourth, discussion of long-term discounting, with reference to work by Derek Parfit. The updated guidance leaves substantial flexibility in picking an approach to how this might look, which leaves a lot of room for good ideas to help increase the prioritization and analysis of things coming up in the U.S. government which is incredibly, especially given that the U.S. government is the best-funded organization in the history of the universe, so far as we know. Uh, So yeah, that's really great to see. Next, BRB243 has produced something called the Billionaires Philanthropy Index, which is a spreadsheet of 2.5 thousand billionaires worldwide containing information on their current wealth, donation amounts, and cause areas they've donated to. Moving on to the opportunity section for the week, we have Write More Wikipedia Articles on Policy-Relevant EA Concepts by Freedom and Utility. The impact of writing Wikipedia articles on important EA concepts is hard to estimate, but it's potentially a really high EV task with little downside risk. The authors suggest 23 pages, with more ideas in the comments listed, that could use creating or adding detail to, including existential risk, alternative proteins, political representation of future generations, etc. Next, we have... Sari Matz announcing their 2023 cohort applications are now open for it, which of course is an ML alignment theory scholars program. These applications are due May 7th. Additional AI opportunity is announced by Drew Sparts, Cat Woods, and Emerson Sparts called Apply to 30 AI Safety Funders in One Application with the Nonlinear Network, which is an absolutely wonderful uh, application process. It really streamlines a lot of things, uh, making it easy on people who are just trying to do some good AI research. Uh, So hopefully I'll take some of the stress off and it is due May 17th. Link is in the original article summary. Moving on to community and media. We have first by Peter Wildford. EA is three radical ideas I want to protect. This argues that EA contains three important ideas rarely found elsewhere, which are important enough to protect. These are radical empathy, scope sensitivity, and the scout mindset. Radical empathy is the idea that there are many groups of people or other entities that are worthy of moral concern even if they don't look or act like us. Scope sensitivity is willingness to systematically search for the best ways to use our resources from a cause-neutral and scope-sensitive standpoint. And third, the scout mindset. It's the view that we should be open, collaborative, and truth-seeking in our understanding of what to do. The next article is by Jeff Kaufman. It's called Run Posts by Orgs. Jeff Kaufman is very happy to see posts about EA orgs, which point out errors or ask hard questions. However, they suggest letting the orgs review a draft first. This allows the org to prepare a response, potentially including important details not accessible to those outside the organization, and comment when you post specifically and not needing to scramble to get a response 
without any heads up. The next article is called Things That Can Make EA a Good Place for Women by Lily. Effective altruism is a subpar place for women in some ways, but the author argues it also does well on many gender issues relative to other communities. These have been concentrated into about eight main points. First, defying conventional norms like pressuring women to spend time on makeup or hair. Second, valuing important things about people, like their kindness and work quality. Third, intentionally connecting people who can help each other, creating an alternative to the quote, boys, old boys club type networking. Four, caring about community building and representation. There's things like funding, magnified mentoring, etc. Five, looking out for each other, just generally. Six, high prevalence of good allies. EA has a lot of good actors in it. Seven, organizations that walk the walk with progressive policies. And eight, people are willing to fix things in EA that are broken, even at very high costs. The next article we have is called My Updates After FTX by Benjamin Todd. This is a very comprehensive list, a little too much to get into in this episode alone without going way over time. But in short, this is a long list of updates that Benjamin Todd is and isn't making after reflecting on the events of the past six months, including FTX. Some of these updates include, this is not a comprehensive list, EA may attract some dangerous people, and EAs shouldn't be automatically assumed as trustworthy and competent, particularly if they are aggressive optimizers. Governance and not doing things that are wrong from a common sense viewpoint are even more important than they previously thought. The value and bar for object-level funding has gone up around twice, and the cost-effectiveness, long-term cost-effectiveness of community building has gone down. EA as a set of ideas and values seems more important to gauge with over EA as an identity, subculture, and community. Updates not made include... Again, this is not comprehensive. Anything on the core ideas and values of the effect of altruism. Any distrust of long-termism or X-risk. That would be a weird leap as the arguments for these weren't related to what actually happened with FTX, but nonetheless. And EA, relying too much on billionaires. Giving billionaires too much influence on cause prioritization. Not being democratic enough in funding decisions, etc. These are separate discussions and it remains the case that one billionaire could donate more than the entire community combined. And there is no major comment on that from Benjamin Todd. Next, by Ben West, we have announcing CEA's interim managing program. Ben West is the new interim managing director of CEA after Max Dalton stepped down as executive director a few weeks ago. This position will likely last six to 12 months until a new executive board is hired, excuse me, executive director is hired. They use this post to reflect on some wins in CEA over the past year with plentiful jokes and memes, uh, which are pretty funny. Actually, it's, he sets the bar pretty high for, for jokes. Approximately doubling the connections made at EA events in 2022 versus 2021 is, is one area of major, major success from CEA. Uh, quintupling engagement with object-level posts on the A form over the last two years is another major point of strength, and rapidly growing the University Group Accelerator Program and EA Virtual Programs. Uh, those are three massive wins that CEA has had over last year. And the last post of the week is from Lizka. I should say the last few weeks, that is. It's called EA, and quote, the correct response to uncertainty is not half speed, end quote. Liska starts off writing, When we're unsure about what to do, we sometimes naively take the average of the obvious options, despite the fact that a different strategy is often better. End quote. For example, 
being unsure if a role is a good fit might lead some people to continuing in it, but with less effort. Being unsure about the value of community or field building. So then thinking those working on it should slow down. And third, sometimes people think that animal welfare is significantly more important than you used to, but it's hard to switch careers, so you make your work slightly more animal welfare related. Going half speed in this way can make sense if speed itself is a part of the problem. If you're being careful or preserving option value, or if it's a low-cost way of getting capacity for figuring out what to do. Otherwise, it's often not the best option for having the highest impact. So concluding on that, great reminder from Liska. Uh, thank you once again to tier three audio to Zoe Williams for writing these amazing summaries and also to rethink priorities and all the amazing authors featured in the last few weeks of posts here. Uh, we'll be getting back to our normal schedule next week and I'm excited to uh, see you guys all then. Thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to stay engaged in the things that help you cultivate a sense of purpose and meaning in doing good. Cause what else could the good life look like? Uh, especially at this precipice century that we find ourselves in. All right, I'll see you guys next week.